It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. On this edition, we're going to be continuing the fallout from Arsenal 1, Slavia Prague 1 in the first leg of our UEFA Europa League quarterfinal. You'll probably tell by the tone of my voice that I just feel so drained right now. You know, when it comes to Arsenal, when it comes to talking about Arsenal, when it comes to fighting off the Wolves, it's... um. It's becoming really, really difficult. It's becoming really, really draining. And you only have to scroll through social media for a minute to kind of gauge the overall feeling amongst the Arsenal fans right now. And quite frankly, it's not good. Going to talk about that game um, in a little bit more detail, perhaps not in a little bit more detail, but perhaps with a calmer head um, is probably the right word. Um, But we're also going to reflect on the news that according to a report today, following Balogun is on the verge of committing his future to Arsenal after much speculation over the last few months with regards to his uh, future and where he may end up going forward. So plenty to get into today. Um, Want to give you guys a quick reminder uh, that this broadcast, this video, this podcast, whatever you want to call it, is sponsored by a brand new football predictor game, uh, which goes by the name of La Bomb. You can find the link in the description and you must be 18 or over and a UK resident to play. But the whole concept, the whole idea is that you're betting against your mates instead of betting against the bookmaker. So it's much more fun. And uh, this weekend, I'm going up against some of football's most recognisable YouTubers. Elliot Hackney, Boovy, Rory Jennings and Adam McCola are all in the same pot as me. We've all chucked the tenner in each. Winner takes all. But of course, this is all about bragging rights. If you download the app using the link in the description, you've got until 12.30pm on Saturday to get your predictions in. And the table updates in real time. So you'll be able to uh, keep track of exactly what's going on. It's great fun. uh, And I'm looking forward to wiping the floor with all of those guys this weekend. So uh, do check it out. If you're interested in having a bit of a game uh, with your mates, then La Bomb is the app for you. So get downloaded. Big hello to everybody in the live chat. Hope you're all well. Great to see you all in there. Uh, big shout out to Alejandro, who joins us from Brooklyn, New York. He says he's just started his shift. Uh, glad to catch us. He says, love the content. Thank you very much, mate. And uh, thank you to everybody else as well in the chat. Matt Parrott, Said, Wesbird, Rahul, uh, Omar, Alex, T-Talks. I know there's loads of you in there, so apologies if I miss. Don't know what the hell happened there, but we're back anyway. Uh, let's uh, let's carry on. Um, so yeah, big hello to everybody in the chat, um, and I uh, I look forward to trying to uh, make a little bit more sense of what exactly happened uh, last night at the Emirates Stadium. 
it was uh, uh, look, it wasn't a great performance, right? And and we talked about it a lot last night. Um, we talked about the fact that we made chances, we didn't take those chances. I got um, quite a bit of stick for for defending Mikel Arteta after the game. I put a tweet out uh, on social media shortly after, and I said, didn't realise that the tie was over after one leg and that Arsenal had already been eliminated from the Europa League. And look, I get that the frustration amongst the Arsenal fan base has not just come out of the blue, right? It's, it's a build-up. It's been a really poor season, particularly domestically. So I understand all of that. Um, but I just think the reaction to last night has been so OTT and it just puts a downer around on the club. It just puts a downer on the mood. It just puts a downer on everything. And quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm fed up of it. I said it last night. I'll say it again. Mikel Arteta set up a team last night that were far superior, that created chances, that didn't concede chances for the most part, yet were unable to be efficient enough in front of goal um, and were unable to manage the game late on when it mattered. How much of that blame can you place at his door? Now, Mikel Arteta has made mistakes as the Arsenal manager. I've never denied that. And a lot of them were on show, I guess, last night. One of them will be the decision to leave us without a left-back. You know, we knew that Kieran Tierney's injury record was patchy. We knew that he was likely to break down again. He seems to do it all the time, Kieran Tierney. Wonderful player when fit, but just simply not fit enough. He was out. And and whatever you say about Cedric, and I think he's been a model professional since he's come to the club. I think he's done a really good job at right back. But at left back, he looks out of sorts. He looks uncomfortable and it just disrupts the whole the whole flow of the team. And, and there's an argument that maybe Mikel Arteta will be better served pulling somebody out of the academy, Joel Lopez perhaps, just because he is a naturally left-footed player. I think that, you know, that was something that was on show. I think that maybe in hindsight, and, and I said it prior to the game as well, that I'd have done the same thing, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite. But perhaps in hindsight, when you saw how high of a line Slavia Prague played, Perhaps Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang would have been the right choice at centre-forward. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I do think his impact and Pepe's impact was amplified by the fact that they came on at a time when Slavia were tiring and the game was stretched. But I accept, I accept that perhaps that's something that Mikel maybe misjudged and maybe didn't get quite right. But of course, as always, hindsight is a wonderful thing. For me... When you look at that Arsenal group, there are just simply too many players that are inconsistent, not at the level required. And this job is a huge one, right? And 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 I guess for me, my only reservation about Arteta, and it's a reservation that started to kick in over the last few weeks, is not is he going to be a good coach? Will he go on to be a good coach? Because I, I do believe that Mikel Arteta, I genuinely do believe we will go on to have a really good career as a coach. But the question I'm starting to ask myself is, will he be given enough time to undertake this job? And what I mean by that, or to complete this job, and what I mean by that is, it's clear that there are so many players that are not good enough. It's, it's as clear as day. 
Chelsea had an issue last summer or the summer before they weren't allowed to spend. The next window comes along and I know Frank Lampard didn't get the most out of it, but they were able to throw in excess of £200 million at the squad in order to get it up to the level that they wanted it to be or something closer to the level that they wanted it to be. And you see now that a combination of that and Thomas Tuchel, a, a very good and experienced manager, putting the West Brom result to the side because it was an anomaly. They, they've now, they're now on the right path again, right? But the problem is at Arsenal, the thing is very, very different. The situation is very, very different. Arsenal were not going to spend £200 million in one summer to completely overhaul the squad. Therefore, when people say, what is the process? And then they say the process is a buzzword and it's good PR. It's not. The process is the replacing of players who are not good enough and will forever let us down over a period of time. And unfortunately, when your hands are tied behind your back from a financial standpoint, that process will take longer. And that's what I see as the process. People ask me what the process is all the time. Come on, Harry, tell us what the process is. You're back in Mikel Arteta. Tell us what the process is. In my opinion, the process is the replacement of those players that are just not good enough and will forever, in key moments, let us down. That's what um, that's what I think is is happening at Arsenal. And the problem here is that we're talking about a very big football club whose expectations or whose fan base's expectations exceed what the club are currently capable of doing. Um, and there's the disconnect, right? You've got a fan base who expects Arsenal to be challenging for the top four and doesn't have the patience to give somebody the time to do the job. Therefore, you need quick results. Is somebody who can't go and overhaul his squad from a financial standpoint. I'm not talking about Matt Ryan signings. I'm not talking about, um, you know, Martin Odegaard signings who are loan deals patching holes up. I'm talking about the Gabriel signings, the Thomas Partey signings. We made two significant ones last summer. That was all we were able to do. But the reality is we need five or six of those players to get to where we need to be, or at least closer to where we need to be. So. This is my point. The disconnect comes from the fan base's expectations being up here. But the club not being able to financially back the manager to go and get the players he needs quick enough so that he isn't under pressure to get to that point. And listen, we're Arsenal Football Club and we shouldn't be outside of the Champions League for a, a period of time. We shouldn't be where we are in the table, 10th position. We shouldn't be there. It's not good enough. But that's why when you, but sorry, but th the reason we talk about a process and we talk about a longer term project is because we do not have what it takes to go out in one or two or even three windows and completely overhaul the group. We look at somebody like Lacazette, right? Lacazette is a prime example of a player who just isn't quite at the level we need. Not clinical enough, never has been throughout his Arsenal career. He's had a decent season in terms of goal numbers this time around, but missed big, big chances last night again and let us down when it mattered. But how much would it cost to upgrade on Alexander Lacazette? What, 30, 35, 40 million? How much would it cost to upgrade on 
Granite Xhaka, for example, and and I like Granite Xhaka, but I know a lot of you don't. So I'm using that as an example. How much would it cost for Arsenal to upgrade on Granite Xhaka? Again, 30, 35, 40 million pounds. The problem is that we can only do one or two of those per summer. And you thought last summer was difficult. This summer is going to be even tougher because it's been a longer period for which the clubs have been without the revenue of the fans coming in. It's it's a case where maybe a more experienced manager would have got more out of this group. I agree with that. I've never shied away from the fact that, you know, there have been decisions that Mikel Arteta has made that have been wrong. He's made mistakes. But would the the experience of somebody else compensate enough to propel this team from 10th in the Premier League up to 4th? I'm not sure that it would. I think we've been unlucky as well. Not we as a team. I think Mikel Arteta has been unlucky when his team missed guilt-edged opportunities the way they did yesterday. Let, let's be honest. We could have been 3-0 up by the time Slavia Prague scored a goal. And if they did nick an away goal at that point, it's nowhere near as catastrophic as it could be now. So you have to take all of those things into consideration. I appreciate it's not always easy to do that immediately after the game. But this toxicity that seems to follow every Arsenal not even a defeat, every bad Arsenal result. This toxicity, the online vitriol, the calls for him to be sacked, it just creates a negative environment around the club and I don't think it helps. I think at least for now, at least for now, we need to be behind the team. We need to be behind the manager and um, and see where it takes us. And come, come the summer, you know, back to the drawing board, We'll have to use whatever resource we do have to get players in. We'll have to move players out in order to do that. And then we have to start next season on a fresh slate, except that the reason we're 10th in the Premier League is not because of our displays since Christmas. It's because of before that. It's it's, it's gone now. I know it doesn't make it acceptable, but it's gone. And there's no point crying over spilt milk. So we've got to focus on the immediate future, which is our Europa League campaign. And I do believe, I said it last night, I still believe that Arsenal have a very, very good chance of progressing past Slavia Prague. I think we're a better side than them. So um, it's not all doom and gloom just yet. If if we don't win the Europa League, if we fail in the Europa League and there are people out there who want Mikel Arteta sacked, I'll understand it. And I might disagree with it and I might feel like, in my opinion, he deserves a bit more time, but I'll understand that point of view. What I don't understand is what people think sacking him now is going to achieve. It doesn't change the group of players that we have. If you want to reassess it in the summer, that's fine. But right now to kick him out um, and to make his job even more difficult than it already is by adding increased pressure on him, I just don't see how that's helpful. I really don't. Big hello to Corey Best, who says, uh, do you think he deserves more time finishing ninth or 10th and maybe not winning a cup? As I've said previously, my friend, and um, Corey's joining us from Philadelphia for the first time. I hope you're well, Corey. Um, as I've said previously, I I don't think that I don't think that he can be completely excused for where we find ourselves in the Premier League. And if we fail to win the Europa League, then of course that scrutiny will increase, and rightly so, it should. But while there's still the opportunity to salvage the season via the Europa League, I think 
we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Just like when Unai Emery was, was coming towards the back end of his first full season in charge. And a lot of people seem to throw this myth around on social media that I wanted Unai Emery sacked after three months. What a load of absolute fucking nonsense. If someone can find me a clip where I said that I wanted Unai Emery out um, after three months of him being in charge, I'll gladly, gladly give you a thousand pounds because it's absolute bollocks and the clip doesn't exist. What I said at the beginning of Unai Emery's tenure was we're picking up some results. And I remember saying this during that 22 game unbeaten run. I said, we're picking up some results. I just can't quite see what the plan is here. What, what is the philosophy? What is it that we're trying to achieve? What is the end goal? That was my concern about Unai Emery earlier on, but I never, ever called for him to be sacked. The first time I called for him to be sacked um, was probably a couple of months into the into the second season. And and that was when I really got on board with the sacking him. I did question him along the way a lot. Um, and, and I've got no issue with people questioning Mikel Arteta either. I just think that similarly as I thought then, which was, you know, I lost my rag with Unai Emery when he made changes against Crystal Palace that cost us in the Premier League and we ultimately missed out on the top four. I lost my rag with Unai Emery when we drop points against Brighton just a couple of weeks after that at the Emirates Stadium again. Yet whilst he was in the Europa League final and in that competition and in with a shout of winning it, I held that back because, because he had an opportunity to salvage that season. As it goes, we went on to get humiliated in the Europa League final. And then that obviously changes things. But for Mikel Arteta, whilst that opportunity to rectify things is still there, I think calling for his head is a little bit premature. And I think the meltdown off the back of what was a dis- what was a disappointing, but not disastrous, not fatal result in the first leg of our Europa League quarterfinal, I think the reaction's been way over the top. I really, really do. And um and it's driving me mad. It it really is. It's it's really frustrating. And as I say, you know, let, let's just put it on pause, just the meltdown, put it on pause. And if we crash out next week, then by all means, uh, everybody's uh, well within their rights to get upset and, and throw their toys out the pram. Matt Parrott says, do you think the players aren't fully backing Arteta? Um, I think there will be a lot of players in there who will feel a little bit... Um, I feel like a I feel like there'll be some players in there who will feel that they're not getting a fair crack. They're not getting a fair crack at it. You know, Nicola Pepe will be one of those players. He comes comes in yesterday, scores a goal, has scored nine goals in comparison to I think Bukayo Saka six this season, yet is constantly in and out of the team. I'm not using I'm not suggesting that Bukayo Saka shouldn't be in the team, but I'm using him as an example of someone whose outputs are less but is held in far higher esteem. I think somebody like Martinelli will be frustrated. I think, um, you know, Rob Holding will be frustrated because I know he's not, he wasn't particularly amazing yesterday and he wasn't very good against Liverpool. But prior to that, the run of games he had in the team, I thought he did really, really well. And he'll feel that it was a little bit harsh the way he was kind of shunned out again. 
So I do think there are players who will feel like that, who will feel frustrated by the way they've been treated under Mikel Arteta. But I also think there are some other players who will feel the complete opposite. Your Granite Xhaka's, your David Luiz's, um, your Sackers, your Smith Rose, your Odegaard's, these players who he puts all his faith into. So it works both ways. Every manager has their favourites. Every manager's biggest task is to keep everybody engaged and on board with what they're doing. Um, you know, that's that's the thing. Harry says, uh, do you think it's time to persist with Ober at centre forward? Forget the disciplinary issues and get him playing again. We know what he can do and he's our only proven goal scorer. <sighs> for me, for me, when it comes to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, if he is going to be in the team, it has to be at centre forward. I think he unbalances us when he plays on the left. And I would argue even still that his overall forward play isn't as good as Alexander Lacazette's. But I'll tell you what, I would have backed him to score that chance or both of those chances that Lacazette spurned last night. And that's the difference, isn't it? That's the difference. Although Aubameyang has scored less goals in the Premier League this season, he's still got more than Lacazette overall this season. I think with Martin Odegaard in the side, it's easier to play Aubameyang as the centre-forward without it affecting our build-up so much. Without Martin Odegaard, though, I think Lacazette is still the better option. I've said it already on this show. I, I felt that in hindsight, Aubameyang would have been the right choice yesterday because of the way Slavia Prague played. I've got to be honest, I didn't expect Slavia Prague to come to the Emirates Stadium and play with such a high line and, and, and you know leave so many spaces in behind. I think we've kind of got a persistent. I think Arsenal's best chance, and I was talking to my brother earlier on and he actually said this, so I'm not going to take the credit for it. Arsenal's best chance of of going all the way in the Europa League is by finding a way of getting the best out of Aubameyang again. Because as good as some of the others can be from time to time, Aubameyang at his best is the best we've got. And so, um, so I would play him up front in the second leg, yes. Um, I think it's the way to go. Let's see uh, what else we've got in the uh, the chat box. Uh, T Talk says, I think Olympiagos are better than this Slavia Prague side. So I'm confident of beating them at their place. Yeah, I, I would say that there's not much in it between the two, them two. And the way we went to Olympiagos, played really well, got a really good result. The only goal we conceded was of our own making. But, you know, we went on and responded from that with Gabriel's header and Mohamed Elneny's uh, PLO strike from outside the box. I think th this is the point, Tito. This, this is why I've been saying since last night that, yes, it was frustrating and disappointing to concede a goal so late on and an away goal at that. But we're not out of this tie by any stretch of the imagination. And so we need to remain positive. EGTV says, did you move locations today? I'm at my parents' place today. Uh, which is why I'm not in the studio. Um, and uh, yeah, the background uh, is a little bit different off the back of that, of course. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, let's see uh, what else we've got in the live chat box. Uh, Dominic Harry says, uh, Saka wasn't great last night, Harry, unfortunately. Completely agree. Completely agree. But Lacazette will get all the stick, you know, uh, Nicola, uh, Willian, sorry, will get all the stick. 
But for some reason, we're almost immune to criticising Bukayo Saka. And this is what gets me about some Arsenal fans is that you can be so ruthless in your criticism of some players, but not with others. Um, you know, I will admit that I've been less harsh on Mikel Arteta than I was on Unai Emery. But that's because having seen it fail with another manager in the lead up, it makes me more sure now that it's the players. When Unai Emery was in charge, I was convinced that he wasn't the right man. And I stick by that. I'm not sort of veering away from that. But it didn't work under Wenger with a lot of these players. It didn't work under Unai Emery. And now it didn't really work under Freddie Lundberg, albeit over a short period of time. And now it's not working under Mikel Arteta. So, yes, perhaps in hindsight, you know, I was a little harsh on Emery, but I, I don't move away from the fact I thought he was the wrong man. But now that we've seen it fail under him as well, and now Arteta, now for me, more of the blame, more of the responsibility and more of their accountability shifts over to the players. Because ultimately, they've not been instructed to piss about with the ball at the back which ultimately leads to that shot, which ultimately leads to that corner from which ultimately Slavia Prague got their goal from. That's the, that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, and, and listen, a lot of you kind of jump into the defense of Bukayo Saka in the chat. I'm not saying that, um, that he should be bombed out of the team or that he should be criticised every week or anything like that. I'm just saying that last night he wasn't at the top of his game. And and that's the that's the truth. Um that is the absolute truth. Let's um let's park last night's talk for a bit. As I said, just to kind of round up, I do think we have a very good chance of getting through. I do think that when people ask what the process is, the answer is is a simple one. And that answer is that the process is the replacement of players who have consistently let us down. And unfortunately for us, it has to be over a period of time because the finance isn't there to make a Chelsea-like investment and say, here's 200 million, here's 250 million, go and get the players you want. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's kind of my summary. Let's, let's reserve the meltdowns for next week and, and hopefully the meltdown doesn't need to come out. Hopefully Arsenal have enough to navigate their way through the second leg and book their place in the semi-final. Um, it looks like it will probably be against uh, Unai Emery's Villarreal, which is not ideal, especially for me. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see how it goes before we completely go off the rails, before we completely go mad and before we all start saying that we, we're done with this team. Patience. It's not easy and you'll probably see it in my face. I look as dejected as downbeat as anyone and you know for me it's always a far more difficult day at work um after Arsenal lose well, we didn't even lose see that's that's the mentality that's the way we've been conditioned to think because the meltdown's been so big it feels like a loss and actually it isn't but for me it's 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 more difficult when Arsenal don't pick up the desired result um and I'm looking forward to actually not working. Well, I am working tomorrow, but not on Arsenal, not on anything Arsenal. So I look forward to just putting that to one side and just cracking on 
and and getting a break from it because it is draining and i don't and you know we as a fan base we create this atmosphere by overreacting and um it's just not helpful to anyone so um you can probably tell i'm fed up today <laughs> really really am let's um let's talk a little bit about the news uh, regarding following Balogun. of course a report has emerged from the daily mail which claims that the uh Arsenal striker is on the verge of committing his future to the North London club and bringing an end to a turbulent few months in which there's been lots of speculation about his future. He was linked with a move away last summer. Brentford and Sheffield United were credited with an interest in the player. And of course, his current contract is due to expire at the end of this season. There was lots of talk about a number of of uh, of clubs from Europe being interested in him. Mikel Arteta has remained confident throughout the process that the deal could be done and reached and agreed between the parties. Um, but it seems that Mikel Arteta has managed to convince the 19-year-old uh, that he is uh, better served by staying at Arsenal. So a lot of you were would have been pretty upset had Arsenal not managed to keep hold of following Balogun. So... Um, you know, this has got to be seen as a positive, right? And again, it's Mikel Arteta persuading someone that Arsenal's the right place for him. The way he persuaded Thomas Partey, the way he persuaded Gabriel when there were a number of clubs interested in him, the way he persuaded Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to sign a contract extension. So Mikel Arteta, maybe as, as fans, we look at him and we go, you know, he doesn't have much pull. He's not doing anything great, but he's clearly well thought of in the game. And that's got to count for something, surely, surely. Uh, but it's understood he's been instrumental in persuading Balogun to stay and that a final few details are yet to be resolved. So positive news on that fr front with following Balogun. What does it mean for Eddie Nketiah? It probably means he's going to have to move on this summer uh, because for Arsenal to go big on a ba uh, Balogun contract probably suggests that he will be higher up the pecking order um, than the Nketiah next season. So, uh, yeah, at least some positive news from that. And when that news is officially uh, broken or when that news is confirmed, because we don't know for sure, it's just a report uh, from the Daily Mail who, you know, sometimes are a little bit questionable. Um, when that news uh, comes out, if indeed it does come out, we'll look at it in a little bit more detail. But for now, that's the latest on the future of following Balogun. I want to say a big thank you to you all for tuning in as always. Let's check in where we are on the likes. Um, let's get as many likes on the video as we possibly can. Uh, let's have a look. I can see there's over 100 of you watching live right now. We've only got 25 likes though. Let's get that up to 50 at least uh, between now and the end of the stream. Um, just a quick reminder that this uh, show is sponsored by the new predictor game, La Bomb. Uh, so head over to the app using the link in the description, download it, play against your mates, keep your eyes peeled on my social media over the weekend where I'll be posting updates on how I get on against Adam McCola, Elliot Hackney, Rory Jennings and Boovy. So uh, check it all out. Um, just one final point and and. Uh, and Marble Horse TV makes a good one. He says, I agree with you, Harry, that we can win in Prague. But last night was the same old problems. Yeah, you know, last night was uh, the same old problems. Um, but those problems aren't going to go away fully and aren't going to be eradicated fully until those players go away. And that's that's kind of the overriding point for me. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling. Uh, Aditya Singh asks, uh, "Where's Manscaped go? Manscaped are back with us uh, for May. So uh, you, if you want to hear more about ball trimming, <laughs> if that's what um, if that's what you enjoy listening uh, to Aditya, then don't worry. Manscaped returns with us in May. But a big thank you to La Bomb uh, for their kind support throughout uh, this uh, for the remainder of this week. So thank you." to those guys over there and make sure you've downloaded the app because it doesn't only support uh, Le Bomb, it supports us here at the Chronicles of Aguna as well. Don't forget, as I say, smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you're subscribed if you're new and if you're interested in becoming a member, then um, you can do so by clicking the link in the description. Uh, I will catch you all um, on... I'll catch you tomorrow for a Sheffield United preview. I'll catch you tomorrow morning uh, for that one. And then uh, we'll bring you, obviously, some coverage of the Sheffield United game as well. More details on that to follow in the next sort of 24 hours or so. But enjoy the rest of your Friday. I'm off to work tonight um, for the game between Fulham and Wolves. Hardly a classic. Uh, my, I have to say, rest in peace, uh, Prince Philip as well, member of the British royal family, sadly lost his life today. Um, so that's obviously sad news as well. Uh, should have done that at the beginning, really. But there you go. This Arsenal thing is just consuming me. But um, I'll catch you all tomorrow with uh, another edition of the show. Thank you all for your continued support, for your kind words. And uh, see you tomorrow. Enjoy your Friday nights. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.